0: Tell me why you're here. Two brought me here to love you. Two brought me here to break your heart. I'm glad you're cured of me. I will not be pushed, filed, stamped, indexed, briefed, debriefed, or numbered. My life is my own.
1: They're frequently dumb, but they're sometimes astute. They're
0: always emphatic on a degree absolute. They're breaking the prisoner right down to the root. That whole TV show on a degree absolute. If you like lava lamps and weather balloons and whack ass inflections from Patrick McCoon, Chris and Glenn made a Degree partial, it's a degree absolute,
1: absolute. Glenn, what do you call it when um, you get some some recording of nothing, of just background, so uh, that when you're splicing tape, it sounds natural, so that you can cover up the the gaps by layering a little sound bed of room tone-like The the tone of a room?
2: Yeah, we call that room tone, Chris.
1: Yeah, that's what you call it? Mm-hmm. Not an ambiance anomaly?
2: Not an ambiance anomaly, no. Okay. No, not a great fucking big well, hole. Well, in the village, they're called ambiance anomalies. Yep, they have to do with the weather.
1: There's a movie called Holes,
2: right? There's a movie and a book called Holes, yes.
1: Different from Tremors.
2: Different from Tremors. YA, YA book about a kid who was forced to dig a lot of holes.
1: Tremors seems to have a good reputation. I know I saw it, but I don't really remember it. Oh,
2: it's a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: Kevin Bacon and Fred Ward, I think. Yep. yep. Can't remember who directed uh, it. And they
2: are attacked by uh, organisms called graboids, which you know, one of the one of the better one of the better monster names out there. Sure. Get your blobs. Get
1: your graboids. They're called graboids because they sneak up on you and bite you. Grab your boy. Mm-hmm. Since we're doing this over Zoom, I know know the the listener can't see this. This is really just just for my benefit, but I want to ask you, please, if you could avoid. Don't look directly into the camera as it can come off as hectoring to uh, a (laughs) potential mate or a a podcasting partner.
2: Uh, Yeah, that's my, uh, i got to watch out for my gene splicing, whatever it's called, blink, blink technology? I can't remember.
1: Gene Simmons therapy.
2: Gene Simmons therapy. Gene
1: symmetry therapy, sorry. Bleed all over the mic. You uh, get your tongue Uh (laughs) sort of surgically altered so that you can say offensive things to Terry Gross. Yep. Leading her to conclude your interview ahead of schedule.
2: And then you make a comic book where you, your blood is part of the ink. That's the whole thing <laughs> that they did.
1: You don't have a, a copy of that. I don't. I don't. That's a cabin. That one's in your storage units. <laughs> so we did back half.
2: Yeah, we're back in prisoner part territory. Two. Prisoner adjacent territory, although I would argue that this gets less and less prisoner adjacent mm-hmm. as we go. You know, I said last week that the show got better as it ended um, because it gave us the answers, you know, and that. That assertion was based entirely upon reading a plot summary, which did not accurately convey how much self-indulgent faffing around there is in this uh, latter half. Uh, as we go, as we make our way haltingly toward the fireworks factory.
1: Yeah, I'm still a little, a little puzzled, and not in, uh, not in sort of a fun end of 2001: A Space Odyssey or end of Fallout kind of way, where mm-hmm. I, I want to duel with you over our interpretations, because I don't think I could. I don't think I could summarize what what happens (laughs) in the final
2: episode. Yeah, the whole thing takes a big dip with Schizoid, an episode that doesn't make any damn sense. Um, But I think it starts to crawl back a little bit with the final episode, Checkmate. But, oh, boy, this is not good. But we'll have fun talking about it, Chris.
1: Yes, yes. Yes, we will. Ugh,
2: I usually have a little more. Got something more in the tank? This uh, this depleted me. This also depleted me. So.
1: I think Gene Simmons therapy is is absolutely the best. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna Let's get to that. <laughs> That's blah blah blah. Why are we doing this? Well, it's because in 1966, Patrick Goon started the long-running TV spy series Danger Man. Resigned a title that shows popularity to create a new series about a spy resigns from government service, and wakes up in a mysterious, inescapable village where each resident, well, many residents, are referred to only by their numbers. Real and provocative, silly and pretentious, ahead of its time, and innately and unambiguously and lava lamp of its time. The short-lived, long-tailed series was called The Prisoner. Yeah, it was. 2009. Much of that shit happened again, minus Patrick McGowan. We don't have any non-numbered people in this, this village, right? In this, no, this that's desert true. village, uh, no. They stick to the story on that one. Again, McGowans are Caviesels, McKern's are McKellen's, foods are wraps. Uh-huh. A little disappointed by the um, severe drop off in rap-related content in the final three yeah, of these just six episodes, one, Glenn.
2: Got one. Got one callback at the very end.
1: When last we left our heroes, where did we where did we break it? Where does where does uh, episode 3 leave off? Oh, who knows. There's a rescue um, from the clinic, a very abbreviated retrieval mission inside the clinic that we mm-hmm. don't even see that much of. It's
2: kind of, yeah, kind of cut like a trailer covers and blah blah
1: blah blah blah. Maybe if I look at the titles of these episodes, it'll help me to remember where they break. The way these these titles pay homage to a title from the original series Episode, mm-hmm. but in a hip single word way. Mm-hmm. It's a little annoying, right? Yep. Harmony, Anvil, Darling. Okay, so we're starting with Darling.
2: Starting with Darling, which, if I right. remember correctly, is the one where he goes into a different body because Magoon had to piece out to make Ice Station Zebra. And uh, this is Correct. the one where there's like... Really jokes. should be
1: Ice Station Zedbra, but I fucked up the joke the first time and I never went back to... And now yeah. now we're stuck with half a joke, which yep. is, is... Story of our life. Perfect, yes, yes.
2: This is the one where like they use to try to get him to... Uh, try to get women to entice him, right? To uh-huh. break his uh-huh. spirit with uh, lamor, right. which... Um, right, you know,
1: in, in the same way part. that we found out that number six prior to his abduction in the original version was uh, betrothed to Janet...
2: Janet, <laughs> I forgot about Janet. How could I forget about Janet?
1: Took up to pick up Janet's birthday present. Hope she likes it. let oh, go to the dentist. Um, <laughs>
2: okay, so uh, Chris, throw to me with the uh, what we do with this.
1: Uh. <clears throat> welcome, <laughs> welcome, friends, once again to the private personal you by sound hand.
2: Like your spirit has been
1: broken. Yes, I've I've been rovered. I've, I've been generaled. Mm-hmm. I've been cavizled, I've been cavizled, man. Damn. I, I had Mel Gibson make a movie starring me in Aramaic, Glenn. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, I welcome you all to the private, personal, by-hand, tangent-tolerant, but properly punctuated, punch-card-driven podcast where you take this unclassifiable and unforgettable television series, The Prisoner, and its idiot offspring, yeah. and we...
2: Push it like a pillow into the sleeping face of our coma mom.
1: Of who? Our
2: coma mom. Our mom in a coma.
1: Oh, coma mom. Coma mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. I, you know, I got to give you a five. I'll take it.
2: We file it like we're the thing that Lucy looked into about Michael. At one point she says, Michael, I looked into <laughs> your file. So right there. Boom. It's right there. It's It was giving and I took it. <laughs>
1: I'll give you a four on that one.
2: Okay, I'll it's take just whatever, a little right? too, not, too I, I, easy. I, there's not a lot of sweat equity in,
1: in this. Lucy can look at my file anytime she wants.
2: We stamp it like a horse frightened by a coma mom hole in the ground. That, that's a thing that happened.
1: Right, coma mom is somehow causing the holes, or like the holes speed up when she's awake. When she's right, right. Okay. I wasn't quite sure that that was what I was meant to, the, the linkage I was meant to make, but I, I suspected. Uh-huh. It's, it's sort of like the, the little boy in Akira, right? Yep, sure. As long as they say sleeping, the citizens of Neo Tokyo are safe. All right. Stamp it like a, a horse in the. Mm, four. <laughs>
2: We index it like we're a measure of Namibian heat, as it feels to the human body when relative humidity is combined with air temperature. Uh, Heat index, Chris, heat index. Glenn, Namibia. That's a six. Looks like it's very hot. It's one of the coldest places in Africa.
1: Glenn, the, the pedantry, the research, the mm-hmm. Smug Delivery, it, it is a perfect six, my friend. I'm so oh, I'm happy for you. I know, it's yeah. it, it's, it's, uh, its its wonderful.
0: I want to tell you about my Lucy. You see, I fell in love with Lucy the first time I saw her. And the way she shined,
1: well, kind of brightened things all around. Trey Graham would, would say delicious. Oh, well,
2: let's, not, let's not go there. We, we brief it. Like it's that shot of a coffin filled with oranges that makes precisely no sense? A very brief, less than two-second shot. Did you look at your phone and not not see it? Because I almost did.
1: That's the the godfather linkage between oranges and death, maybe. Uh, But why are we referencing that here? That
2: is, wow. That is a complit, uh, pull it out of your ass, Uh, very impressive. It is,
1: but what other text makes a a connection between oranges and, and mortality, Glenn? Can you think of another one? I need a Bryant commercials, I don't know.
2: Um, We debrief it like we're Mr. Curtis, explaining what the village is all about to Michael in a way that makes almost as little sense as the orange coffin shop.
1: Yes, it's uh, it's, uh, the the architect at the end of Matrix Revolutions, Mm -hmm, maybe? mm -hmm.
2: Just sitting there talking. Just sit there talking and talking and talking.
1: All right, four.
2: We number it like the amount of items of clothing and accessories that (laughs) Unto drops on his village walkabout, hat, gloves, cane, sunglasses, jacket, and vest. The number in
1: question, Chris, is six. Um, All right, well, I gotta give um, you a six for for that one.
0: uh, uh. I remember the first time I took Lucy to a nightclub. All the fellas ran up, they want to run their fingers all up and down her neck. I said, uh uh-uh. uh, don't do that. That'll make me mad as heck. Cause I love
1: her. See, I knew you weren't going to go uh, R6 on that. Or or what do they call them? Six times two in Schizoid? Six times
2: two, yeah. Two times
1: six. Yeah. Cause they, uh, they could not have gone any more nondescript, anymore boring with his wardrobe, right? He's got, like, that sort of olive drab, like, members-only jacket, like some kind of nylon jacket and some jeans.
2: He does at one point when he and uh, uh, Agent Carter are hooking up, he does have...
1: 405? No, that's four, not our number. 415, 415, right.
2: He does have a little V-neck sweater with a little tiny six where the, where the <laughs> Izod alligator would be. That was cool. Oh, yeah, I like okay. I enjoyed that.
1: Again, we will take the crumbs...
2: You know, we didn't mention too much about Jamie Campbell Bauer, who plays 1112, but this kid is a very young kid, and he has already been in a bunch of franchises. He uh, was a vampire in the Twilight franchise. He was in the Fantastic Mm. Beats franchise. He was Arthur on a British series called Merlin, which I liked a lot when it started, and uh, most recently he was... uh, one version of the Big Ben on season four of Stranger Things.
1: So it has uh-huh. been around. Okay, which you were you were just discussing with our man, Big Ron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I know Twilight, I think the first Twilight was 07. So that would have been the year before they shot this. But those other things are all substantially post-Prisoner 09, right?
2: Uh, Merlin, I think, might have been earlier. I think was younger there. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure. It's been a while.
1: I mean, he's, he's fine. He's, he's perfectly uh, fine. He's yeah, perfectly like fine. he's uh, he's not irritating.
2: There isn't a lot of connective tissue uh, in any of these characters so that you understand why a person is having a given emotion in any given scene because there is no through line to these characters. In the way this, this thing is edited, they just appear and say a line and yeah. have an emotion and then disappear. It's um,
1: disconcerting. I keep referring to this... Um, Alleged floated Christopher Nolan feature version of The Prisoner because this really feels like like someone studying the filmography of Christopher Nolan and just taking all the wrong lessons away mm-hmm. from it, from the sound design to the editing style to the the bombast. Mm-hmm. I know we're not entirely on the same page here. I like that kind of pretentious style, and I feel like you know limiting the volume of jokes makes the when we do get a joke it it lands a little more powerfully. But I watched this and I'm like, maybe this is what Glenn is seeing when he watches a Christopher Nolan movie because this is a drag.
2: There is a self-seriousness here. There is a lot, you know, we we get a lot of people pontificating about... well, not philosophy, but you know the nature of humanity, in a way that, to to be fair, is straight from the text. I mean, like if you, this is part of the deal, especially with the final couple episodes. So this it's straight from the text right. about humanity. You know,
1: and 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 I think McKellen could do it either way. I think McKellen could put a little a little English on the ball if he wanted to, and sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, Caviezel just does not have that in his toolbox. Right? It's just.
2: No, and it feels like we're dumping on him, but it has to be said, he's terrible in this. He just (laughs) is flat, and when he is called upon to have outrage it doesn't land. It's just... Uh...
1: It made me think in the sort of ongoing project of, of realizing over the past generation that Keanu Reeves, an, an actor who was mocked early in his career, who was often conflated with the stoner type characters he was playing and who I think mm-hmm. clearly has over time been vindicated as a as a good actor, right? But you, mm-hmm. you look at a performance like he's giving in, in The Matrix, in the first Matrix particularly, where he is intentionally this... Uh, vessel to be filled with with revelation you know he's yep. our audience surrogate we're, we're learning things as, as he learns them and that's kind of the same position that Cavizel is in here but boy what a difference right Keanu makes that that process of discovery funny he makes it frightening he makes it and Caviezel you're you're just thinking yeah it's like you said on our on our prior episode it feels like it's the first take it feels like he just mm-hmm. <laughs> just saw the script a moment ago. Mm-hmm. There's no interiority. There's nothing more than what we're seeing right on the surface.
2: Well, I mean, with Keanu, there are certain roles that match him and certain roles that are beyond his grasp uh, in um, uh, the Shakespeare film. Was it as you Much do About Nothing. The Much the,
1: the, Ado Brana, the Brana Much do About Nothing, where he plays Don John. Yeah, yeah, uh,
2: yeah. Overmatched, uh, where he plays... Um, Jonathan Harker in Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh, I love that. I may inquire, what in fact happened to Mr. Renfield in Transylvania? Yeah, but Speed, <laughs> there has never been a better match. Like, his chemistry with Sandra Bullock, his fitting into that character, who, yeah, is a little stiff, but, like, that's... Like, he found it, and I, you know, I haven't yeah. seen uh, uh, the, the Jesus film, um, and I haven't seen him in much, actually. Yeah, much, nor but, I. This is not... This he is goes
1: on to be on Persons of Interest, or Person yeah. of Interest. Yeah. I was thinking it was one of the NCIS-sises, but no, Person day. of Interest. It lasted four or five seasons. Jonah yeah. Nolan, I think, was his creator, showrunner, or something. Okay. Yeah. Haven't seen it. Yep. Just just uh, stiff. More like Person of Disinterest, eh, Glenn?
2: <laughs> anyway, let's get into it darling episode four uh we see a sinister van rolling through the village sinisterly uh back in new york city six uh finds lucy in the hallway uh when he wakes in the village there's a glitchy tv telling him he's got an appointment with the love bureau yep that's uh that's how i pick up men at bars nowadays i say you got an appointment with the love bureau um, this is a good place
1: match. as any for me to uh, point out that the the club that you identified in our previous episode as Come Inside, Glenn, is in fact called Go Inside. So we okay. uh, no, I mean, we know where yeah. your head's at, buddy.
2: Yeah. What can I say? Um, so again, we get these tiny little scenes where nothing happens, where no information is conveyed. They're just there to just break up. I think the action. So two and eleven twelve go investigate the hole. Mm. Which again should be more fun than it sounds. And then um, <laughs> they just say there's oblivion down there. Uh, we learn that in his matching, in finding his perfect match with this love beer. Sorry, are,
1: are you referring to blink match technology? Ca-
2: I'm calling it blink match technology. They make a blink yes. personality splice.
1: They put on a Blink-182 song.
2: They put on a Blink-182 song. He is not having it, but then he sees a video of Lucy in the village as his perfect match. You see, I
0: fell in love with Lucy the first time I saw her.
2: And the way she shines... Back in New York, Lucy says she looked into his file. There were no attachments. (laughs) No attachments on his file. Uh, They decide to go back to Sumacore, but they don't because they're going to bone. Back in the village, 2 tells 313 that she is a dreamer and
1: 313 this this is Ruth Wilson the yeah. uh the nurse or doctor
2: here's where you get leonardo dicaprio pointing at the television screen because this yeah. is where you say uh, you didn't really forsake him huh huh get it forsake him darling they're in an operating room they're putting okay. hypodermic idols. i, I, so I a, didn't actually AD&C but that's
1: a uh, good i'm glad you uh, you caught that for me
2: yeah There's some bickering back and forth. next morning, Six awakes and is told for his matching stage two. Back at the diner, he meets Lucy. I love Lucy, yes I do. In this this reality, however, she is 4'15", she is blind. She says the blindness was caused by some kind of trauma when she was Mm -hmm. six. Uh, She feels his face and tells him he's got nice bones, which, okay, you know, she's... At least she's got her, a good head on her shoulders. Um,
1: yeah, these scenes in movies with blind they always make me wonder if... Uh, why, why We never see the scene where the blind person puts their hands on, on the person's face and is like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you have a great personality. Yes,
2: exactly. Uh, Back in New York City, they're canoodling on bed. Who needs purpose, they say to each other which should be the tagline of this fucking series they have sexy times that kind of bleed into each other in both realities um and i just sat there thinking this whole show is wrongly considered and is abortive in its uh execution but there is no moment that could not depart more from the spirit of the original series than six Getting his bone on—it's just not. It, it. I don't know where it's coming from. It doesn't feel.
1: I know. Uh, Patty Mcgee was was ill for a long time before he finally succumbed. But um, do you think that watching this is what finally did him in, Glenn? Do Do you think <laughs> he happened to tune in and saw number six rolling around on the bed or on the couch with uh the the magnificent. Hayley Atwell, and yeah. uh, just um, spontaneously combusted. I think it's a plausible theory.
2: It's entirely, you know, I, I, I wouldn't rule it out. It doesn't, uh, <laughs> you know, melt steel beams, but uh, who knows? Who, who knows what uh, what finally sent him over the edge? But this is just, you know, and uh, kiddies are watching. This is what his excuse yeah. was. It relieves the feelings. Uh, he calls her Lucy. He tells her they know each other. Then he's, you know, smash cut. He's on a gurney getting rolled into the clinic, and then he's back in bed. At the play, uh 2 sees 1112 swiping some wifey drugs, and then 1112 takes those wifey drugs to Nurse 313 mm-hmm. uh, and says, investigate this
1: okay now this scene where 1112 brings the pills to to 313 Mm -hmm. this is the first time we hear this song uh, leave it there this this spiritual hymn bring your burdens to the Lord and and leave it there which is going to become a motif through the final three episodes I think even Mm -hmm. even more than uh, dry bones does in in fallout So I didn't realize this. It, it, like, why we see these these three singers, these three women in black robes, singing this in this club, which mm-hmm. in every other scene, the ty- it's it's they're not singing gospel music in in this club. And not only that, but in in the background, once once uh, three thirteen and eleven twelve are, are in the booth together and they're talking about the pills, in the background we see these these three singers. We continue to hear the spiritual, but there is also there is a saxophone player with them, mm-hmm. and there is a drummer. Yep. We are hearing a cappella performance of a gospel song punctuated or, or by hand claps. Yep. No saxophone, no drums, but clearly over over um Rita Wilson's no Ruth Wilson's shoulder 313 shoulder sax player drummer what's going on? I, I mean this could have been like we shot this and then we decided later on to do a different song and no one's going to notice the saxophone player so who cares? Mhm. You know, I mean, obviously they're not using like live sound when they shoot something like this, but sure. uh, it was still real weird.
2: I'm gonna break your brain even bigger, Chris. Mm-hmm. If there is nothing but the village, how can there be a Jesus? Where does Jesus come from? Where does the Lord that they're talking yeah. about enter into this history? Does was he in an A-frame back in the day? Did he get uh, nailed up on a one of those vans? It just it doesn't it doesn't.
1: See, I shouldn't say this because it's, it's not like my attention did not wander trying to get through these. But um, do, do in the New York scenes, do we hear any reference to that song? Do we hear, is it only in the village when we hear that, that spiritual? I'm well, not
2: sure. I think it's probably only in the
1: village. But I can't either. But I mean, that, that seems like an obvious point of, of connection, right? That you would huh? do, you would use a pop song or, or something that was playing when he was abducted or, or something that he would do in, in the same way that um, the explosion in the diner at the end of Arrival arrival 09 is prefaced by the the radio Uh briefly going from village programming to the new york city traffic Uh report
2: in the end of six we'll get some bleeding together of the two realities that actually works um it's it's done it's executed better than it is here but until then it's just sort of all over the damn place two says he'll tell 1112 about holes and about his mother and again you should, that's a first draft writing that you need to go back and change, change that line. Six and 313 go to look at the hole and look down it. There is talk of cake, uh, their daughter, uh, the daughter of the taxi driver and his wife. <laughs> this was very funny to me.
1: I know it's okay. I will, I'll let you talk for this. It is funny when she rides her little tricycle, like right into the goddamn hole. Just uh, that. It... La, da, 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 la, da, da, da. As the, as the. <laughs> If you have the subtitles on, and it's actually it's, phonetically la da 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 da, yep. brackets girl girl rides into abyss because it. it's a big
2: backyard and a yeah. relatively small hall and a relatively small big wheel. Uh, nope, right right
1: into the brink. And this this girl who who pedals just just right into the center of the earth. Um, she might yelp or something. I don't really remember. She certainly does not scream as loud as the girl who drops her ice cream cone at the end no, of, the, sure. of the third episode. You know who
2: else doesn't scream is the mom and dad. Like they are remarkably sanguine about the fact that they lost their daughter. Like, like oh, cool. I guess we're going to have to have another kid. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, this is an ambience anomaly, as you have talked about. Every home yep. to combat it will be given a pig because swine breath is an atmospheric stabilizer. They will keep a pig for stability. They volunteer for pig distribution duties. Look. This is weird, right? This is they want to feel like they're thing. doing
1: their part. Yeah, particularly safety-minded people choose to become two pig families. Glenn.
2: and this is the kind of absurdism that, if it were directed, if it were, if it, if it was satire with a political point, it would feel kind of pushy. But it still would make more sense here. It is, in the words of the great philosopher Mo Sizlac, postmodern. All right, weird for the sake of weird. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting from this. It's not really. Yeah. It it doesn't go anywhere. It's doesn't tie into the whole pig scene, the pig head thing that we saw before. It's just sort of hanging out there to be like window dressing of weirdness and absurdity, without yeah. actually having
1: anything. I do like swine breath as an atmospheric stabilizer. I do like that as a sentence, though. The same way that uh, cow flatulence is an actual greenhouse gas. That absolutely, yep. Alarming, but mm-hmm. but also funny. You know, nature has a sense of humor, apparently.
2: Sure. They show up at the hole, uh, Six and Two. Six wants to go rescue the girl, but Two shows up and tells him not to because it's nothing down there. It's oblivion. Why is this scene here? Night at the clinic, both 415 and Six are being drugged to fall in love with each other because love will crack him open. Mm. We meet uh, mm-hmm. 415's dad, who is not Rob Corddry, but looks an awful lot like Rob Cordry. Yeah. Right. He's very proud of the fact that he runs a, has a two-pig household. Um, this is the gospel music scene. This is 315 going to the bar to meet 1112 and being told that the yeah. pills in question are a sedative, a hallucinogen, and something with no known ingredients.
1: Um, Glenn, a sedative, a hallucinogen, and something with no known ingredients are presented to someone on the table at a bar.
2: Yeah. That's all I got. Okay. Um, Two takes 313 to see his wife. Uh, He creeps on 313. Um, He wants to cuck his coma wife a bit, it Mm -hmm. seems like, because he's trying to get a rise out of his coma wife. Do you like me? Do you like me? Uh, He asks if she can make someone unlove. This is the kind of Orwellian language that crops up into this Right. Sex crime, thought crime, Mm unlove. It's good that they have... Something to make someone unlove should they ever need it. Uh, meanwhile, the taxi driver takes out a knife. You think something surprising is going to happen. Another garroting, another stabbing of the back with a
1: pocket <laughs> with knife. The, with a little, yes, uh, inch and a half long blade.
2: Yep. Um, but no, he just goes and digs a hole with his knife. He's got to have better equipment. He says he has a garden. He's got to have better equipment than mm-hmm. a knife. But that's, that's where we are. Um... Knight, uh, six, begs thir- 313 to help him, uh, but they take him to the clinic anyway. And we find out that this the thing that's powering this therapy, this plot to break number six, is gene similarity therapy. When people symmetry. have very symmetry. similar genes, they gene fall them in love easily, so they have transplanted 415s into him. This goes to a whole incest place that I did not love. Uh-huh.
1: Is Checkmate the one? It's, it's definitely the one with, with uh, Wingard as number two in the mm-hmm. original series where they um, hypnotize the Phoebe Waller-Bridge-looking lady yep. to uh, be in love with number six. Is that Checkmate? Yep. Yeah.
2: Look at her pulse rate. She's with him.
1: Shades of that.
2: Shades of that, but without gene similarity, which is just gross. Yes, um, he, Six asks, this is the pseudo-philosophy that they inject into here, uh, if you can do that, then what is love?
1: Hmm. Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no anymore. Yeah. That's a bit philosophical for Thursday.
2: Yep. Back in New York City, they wake up after sex, and there's some talk of them not being in control. Then they decide what they're going to have for breakfast, Chris, is right. oranges. That is just. That is not
1: sure. You need a a protein. You need
2: (laughs) need that. That you can't make a breakfast of oranges.
1: Also, you need to take your briefs off to have sex, but not on AMC. Yeah, it's true. Don Draper never did. You know, so (laughs) it's true.
2: And I think she still has a bra on, right? She kept her bra on overnight. Like, I can't like remember,
1: but uh, no, but the the way I, I mean, the one that always just bothered me was like Don Draper wouldn't would like have the undershirt on and his dress shirt would be unbuttoned, but still on over his. The, the dude was copulating with two shirts on. Yep. Glenn. <laughs> yep. My partner would drown.
2: Yeah. <laughs> So in the village, uh, he proposes to her, and then we get a smash cut to a wedding. Because what? Why do we need? <laughs> why do we need anything except event piled top event? Three thirteen tells him that uh, the therapy she gave him won't last because a different virus is being used. Uh-huh. Four fifteen shows up in a Cadillac, or maybe it's the Rolls. I don't exactly know why.
1: Yeah, it's not something that's in sync with the. Production design, or the yeah. yeah, suddenly it's an Annie Leibovitz, um, Bruce Springsteen album cover.
2: Yep. Uh, I don't know. So weird. while this poor blind bride is getting out of the car, three thirteen, just total plants uh, a kiss on six, and there are these cartoonish gasps, like uh, when I, I just just remembered of Jesus Christ Superstar, the movie where the Punches Pilots crowd kind of goes <laughs> like that. It's just it's um, silly. It's over the top. Uh, Three thirteen does not know if her feelings for six are real or not, or maybe it's just gene similarity therapy. Four fifteen. Maybe she's
1: just listening to to Beth a few too many times.
2: Beth, I hear you calling, and I can't go home right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, and she needs to listen to uh, rock and roll all night and party every day to kind of balance out her gene Simmons therapy. <laughs> sure. Uh, Four
2: fifteen runs into the mountain, and God bless her for a blind gal. She is scrambling up those mountains like a nimble goat. And then Rover comes, flashes at her, which is an addition, right? The Rover never used to flash. He just used to kind of roar and smother.
1: Yeah, Rover's been upgraded a little bit.
2: She collapses. There's a flashback to New York City where Lucy is recording a video saying she's not safe to be around. You can't go back to Sumacore. But back in the desert, 4.15 wakes up. Is is that when
1: when Lucy says they're selling tickets to your funeral but calling it a promotion? It is. is,
2: It's a a little bit later, but this is the same. It's the same tape. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, 4.15 wakes up and eventually, this takes entirely too long, gets her to say that she's Lucy. That two brought her to the village to get her to love him, to break his heart. Back in the village, six sees the taxi driver standing at the lip of a hole, tries to talk him down by telling him to do it, which is not a good strategy. Then 415 appears, throws herself down the hole. Back in New York City, Six is going back to his apartment, laden with oranges. Just, he has an entire grove.
1: Two bags. Two bags of oranges. Got a five-pounder mesh bag in each hand. Glenn, he's doing a farmer's carry.
2: Yeah, so you figure he's going to make them some orange juice. Fine. That is, what, three oranges per glass, maybe? And then what's he going to do? Duck a orange? What's he going to do? What? Why, why? What? What is all this for?
1: I don't know. There's a lot of good boys and girls who are going to get an orange, and their stocking this Christmas. Yes,
2: yeah. and, and uh, the thing that you can not accuse six of is uh, scurvy. Um, <laughs> so he sees his apartment blow up. We see the coma wife for the first time in New York City looking pained. End of episode four. Now we get into schizoid. This was my least favorite uh, episode. You?
1: No, I, I think I still found it a little more rewarding than okay the initial tranche. Trunch.
2: Look at you. Uh, Six runs into his apartment. We hear a recorded message from Lucy saying, nobody resigns for Sumacore. They're selling tickets to your execution but they're calling it a promotion. I still don't know what that means.
1: No, um, I, I, I don't. It, it's like in the vernacular of your mouth's writing checks, your ass can't cash. Or mm-hmm. Something like that, but makes even less sense.
2: If it came back, I'd, I'd accept it. I'd accept it, but it doesn't come back. It's just out there hanging there in the wind. There was a place that Sumacore sends people sent people, she actually says, past tense. Which means that both of these things are happening more or less at the same time. Mm -hmm. In the village, Six goes up to the gates of the Pele and calls to out, and this is exactly when I wrote down. "Mm, Still sucks, because
0: this... Fight me like a man.
2: This Mm -hmm. is a bit of strained acting uh, like the I am not a number bit. Like, every bit of pain I know is because of you. In his defense, that is a tough line to sell. But you know, it, it it just it just lays there. And over his shoulder, we see another version of him. When we find out that this place is constructed in the subconscious and rules of physics don't apply, it makes a bit more sense. But in the moment, as you're watching it, right. it makes no sense.
1: Right. Um, when we when we find out that this actually is the movie Inception. Yeah. It does come a year later, but still. But where's
2: Tom Hardy? Where's Tom Hardy and his lips? Yeah, in this movie? that's all all
1: you ever want to know.
2: Yeah two goes to the seedy sex club uh called go in
1: go inside go inside okay uh his i will admit come inside would be a better name but um no but there's there's a neon sign glenn it says go inside and and i was looking for a companion sign the the way that you know in adams morgan they they still have like club heaven and club hell yep one's upstairs one's downstairs i did not see any come inside neon Mm -hmm. signs
2: his presence has a chilling effect as soon as he goes into the seedy sex club. There is a penny-farthing bike on the in the decor, like it's right. the worst planet Hollywood ever. Um, he then challenges 1112, tells him the village exists within the mind, that his mother volunteered for the procedure. He gives 1112 the key to the cabinet with the pills that keep her dreaming. And then says, you get a day with your mother, and then he goes back to the sexy club.
1: I do like that it's, you know, it's not like a, a regular key. It's a, it's a very, you know, big iron-like. Skeleton key kind eight, of hand. yeah, Yeah, eight-inch long prop key.
2: Mm-hmm. Six, but it's not six, of course, goes over to th- 313's place uh, at night and is all, you want this, babe. I know you want this. And she's all, not like this, not like <laughs> this, which is the right choice because he is creeping on her. Yeah. Uh, he goes to see her the next day. Hey, this is a different six because he's distraught over 4:15. He says, "My head is full of nightmares." Again, not a great line. Not well sold. He doesn't remember creeping all over her because, of course, it's not him who did it. Um, right. The taxi driver turns him away and says, "I don't." But apparently, fight with you the again. apparently
1: the creeping was um, accomplished its goal because later on she is offended that this uh, duplicate six does not remember spending the night
2: yep. with her. Yeah, well, I don't think it's. Yeah, I, I think it's a different sex. It's not the duplicate.
1: No, six. it is. It is. But I'm saying, yeah. like, like, when he professes not to recall their night of passion or their night of whatever, she is aggrieved by his um, amnesia.
2: Yeah. So they. Mm-hmm. He goes back to his place and finds it's been tossed. There's a message in the mirror: "Be seeing you." So this is all. He's Tyler durduring, durdering, Durdening, dirdening. Yep. To beat the bad. Sure.
1: Making soap out of human fat.
2: New York City Michael, New York City 6, tries to get into Sumacore. His access is denied. Uh, In the village, he goes to the shop and asks what the receipt he found is for. It was for a knife. Uh, He sees his double, chases him down. He is helped by a trail of blood because his double got hit by a car. (laughs) Then the Tyler Durdening of it all becomes clear as we see the whole scenario. His not-double, who doesn't exist, wants him to kill two because apparently this not-double is the representation of all his kind of baser desires, his more violent, beastly desires. Yeah. They have an exchange between Six and Two. You know, who is who, and you will assassinate me, and then Two decides he's going to go for a walk and litters the ground with clothing as he walks, and this is all it takes for him not to be Two anymore because he can just walk out and go on his little walkabout and nobody thinks of him as Two. He is now unto, and yet Two... Issues a proclamation that the person walking around the village is a danger to the village. There's two, and they do that not let them claim
1: to be two, and you will know that they are not two because they are not two.
2: Yeah, yeah, but why would you do that? Why would like why? Why not you just if you just want to be not two, then don't send yeah. everybody in the village after you.
1: It's been twenty years since I saw the Charlie Kaufman movie adaptation or the oh. Spike Jones Charlie Kaufman. But when we get to the Tyler Durdening reveal of this, that's all I could think about is you know Nick Cage playing the twin of nick cage and one you know telling him that uh your screenplay idea for a serial killer with multiple personalities sucks (laughs) i feel like we're actually watching that manifest here some bro when you know 99 they watched the matrix they watched fight club (laughs) (laughs) and they just regurgitated the dumbest shittiest uh, amalgam that you could come up with
2: yeah, it's it's base. In the village, 1112 gives his mom a wake-up pill. We cut between her waking up at the village and waking up in New York City. A disheveled two goes to the village shop and asks for cigarettes, and there is a very long scene about smoking and mm-hmm. vices, and there's like a little frisson between him and the shopkeeper going on there. They're looking at each other's lips in a way that uh, seems to be meaningful. But okay, so you just you, you just
1: read that as like an attraction subtext. There's subtext here, but I don't think these two actors are in agreement on what the subtext is.
2: <laughs> exactly. It's just going on too long. It, I think what they both thought is this scene is going on so long there has to be something more going on. And so I think McKellen decided there'd be one thing going on and the other actor decided... Right. When he's
1: like, a, you know, are you sure you don't have cigarettes? How will you know if you don't check? And then the guy, and I mean, they're right below the counter. <laughs> yep. It's not like, oh, I have to go in the back room and move some boxes around it. Nope, they're, they're right there. So I was like, okay, this is like a password, counter-password kind of thing to get the cigarettes or, or you know, this is some agreed-upon secret communication that, but then it, it does not pay off No, anything.
2: It does not pay oh. off is hmm. the also another log line for this show. Um, I had misremembered the uh, point of this. So in my mind, the back of my mind while I was watching this. I thought, okay, this is a computer simulation and two controls the computer simulation so he can say if you check under the counter, there will be cigarettes and that there'll be cigarettes. That's what I was thinking was
1: going on. Okay. but now that
2: it's all subconscious and uh, whatever consciousness, then I don't know what that
1: lucid like. dreaming,
2: lucid dream. Um, coma mom and 11:12 are having dinner. She says that dreaming is hard work. There is something that I read in a plot synopsis which is one of the reasons the holes happen is because the reason that Two and the coma mom created the village was to kind of heal their trauma from not having kids. So they created a kid, but that puts extra stress on her because usually it's just people going into the village to have their, to, to be healed or whatever. We'll get to that in a second. So the extra stress is that the existence of 1112, which is why 1112 can't go back to the real world because he doesn't exist in the real world.
1: Okay, so he's he's like the Scarlet Witch's kids in WandaVision in, and in Doctor Strange, where I'm still like, wait, so do these beings actually exist? Or did she did she just manifest them out of pure whatever? I mean, she certainly, she's willing to hurt people and kill people to protect them, but I don't. I, I never quite understood if they have any kind of identity or, or existence external to her.
2: Well, in alternate universes, they seem to exist, but you know, like in this universe, they don't. It's anyway, it's a, it's you
1: know. I like the idea of, of eleven twelve being this purely uh, subconscious being that is nevertheless has acquired its own has, has become self aware. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> That's kind of cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's it's just another little little crumb here that that isn't uh, lots of crumbs. It's That's not part of a satisfying. It's a, it's a very crummy show. It's my baked head, so. treat.
2: Uh, I started. I, I kind of my notes get a little hazy here because yeah, it's
1: so hard to pay attention distracted. to this. Just... Um,
2: six meets two or unto. They talk about the alternative six in ways I don't rightly understand. They don't call them two times six here, but then when they do call them two times six later, everybody knows who they're talking about, and it uh-huh. doesn't make any sense. Uh, six tells three thirteen. That there's another version of him. Uh Caviezel is particularly unconvincing in this scene. I wouldn't believe him because even if it was physically possible, I would still wouldn't believe him because he's just not selling it.
1: Yeah, and uh, we you know what's what's weird is that visually there's nothing to capitalize on the the sight of the two Kavizels or anything, and I mean, I, you know, of course, technologically, in 2008, 2009, when they're making this show, this would have been no big thing. You know, in the in the way that um, Schizoid Man, the episode from 1967, the gimmick still seems kind of cool because mm-hmm. you know they had they had to shoot every scene twice and mask off part of the frame, and uh, you know, so there was a, a high degree of difficulty. And but you also appreciate the performance that McGowan is giving. And the way he is, you know, genuinely rattled by the, the presence of a fully convincing doppelganger. Oh,
0: very good. Very, very, good indeed. One of number two's little ideas, I suppose. Where'd they get you? A people's copying service? Or one of those double agents we hear so much about
1: these days? We just don't get any of that here. Like, there just isn't any gimmicky fun. I mean, I guess because, you know, like one Caviezel is lame enough. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it's like multiplying zeros.
2: And I'm sure, I'm not sure, but I would suspect that the showrunner of this particular sh- series and the directors possibly are thinking, you know, this is dream logic, right? We don't need to have an emotional through line. We don't need to connect these characters scene to scene because, you know, it's this world shifts. This is this is Wonderland. This is like everything changes so quickly here. But th- there is no dramatic stakes chops. There is no nothing to kind of ground this series in the real. We just get. We just get people having emotions that do not connect to the emotions they had in the scene prior to this. It's it's frustrating. Uh, back in New York City 6, Michael, and I think this is the first time we hear his name, Michael, or maybe we heard about it later. I don't know. Uh, tries to get a car to access the purpose floor. I wish there was a purpose floor in, yeah. those, in this show. The access guy is the shopkeeper, and he impresses him by predicting what he'll say based on what uh, he said in the village. The uh, taxi driver and his wife are entertaining Unto with cake. There's a cake callback here.
1: That's their move.
2: I guess. I (laughs) guess it's like this is. So here's a through line. We're grappling for a through line here, and I guess that's it. Now, this, I don't understand this at all. They say he can be.
1: uh, He misquotes Agent Dale Cooper when he says something about damn fine cake.
2: Damn fine coffee and hot.
1: That's not the line.
2: It's pie, not cake in Twin Peaks. That's what I'm saying, Glenn. Okay. All right. They seem to me to be kind of over their daughter's mm. death. I mean, at one point she looks at an empty, you know, crib or whatever. And, <laughs> but that's supposed to be But, again, these people are not having
1: like, human emotions. I know. Just, you take the crib out of the room and she's yeah. fine. Yeah.
2: The authorities come and chase after uh, Ian McKellen's Stunt double, because <laughs> I don't think Aiden could. Yeah. Aiden could move like that.
1: So he's pretty, pretty spry. And they're they're again shooting at him. Why are they shooting at him?
2: Yeah. Coma uh, wife is walking through the garden, and another anomaly shows up. Unto tells F thirteen he's going to show her another place because they're both in swings. <sighs> <sighs> Un. 1112 tells coma wife that he wants to go to the other place she says no the village is best for him she's seen what happens when she's awake the holes the only people who can go to the other place are the people who were brought to the village not people like 1112 who was born in the village this upsets him he throws the key into the sand for a minute and then immediately goes back for the key without him having anything that kind of changes his mind it's just time passes and he decides to go back for the key uh one of the sixes goes to 313 and kind of schmoops on her, but there's another six peeking in. He is cucking himself. Uh, she runs into the desert.
1: They actually start to canoodle on the bed, and then she looks up and she sees other six standing outside the window, I guess? Yep. But he's right at the yep. window looking. Yep. It doesn't connect to anything that we've been following, but, I mean, that would be a creepy thing. Though. like You can imagine something like that happening in a nightmare.
2: No, sure. Sure, right? sure, 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 but... I guess I will say, I'll give this much to Caviezel. You can tell when he is six and when he is two times six, right? Just because of the way they hold themselves. So that's good. That's that's a smart thing. That works. Um, so two times six, which is the name they have for the Assassin six, finds out that 1112, from 1112, that two is at the village church. Then one of the sixes, we don't know which one, visits visits two at the church then two gets what I'm sure Ian McKellen thought was going to be his Emmy clip, because this is an extended monologue about how we make pornography and call it news, and it just goes on and on and on. It's about how he wants to, you know, overcome the savagery of man, yeah, uh, and how the coming war is.
1: Feels very Patty McGee, though. You can't say it doesn't.
2: I suppose. You know what? That's a good point, Chris, now that you say it like that. I mean, because he does say that the coming war is not uh, technological, it's psychological. 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 Um, we are led to believe that two invited six into the village to assuage his own guilt. It's entirely possible, though, that two invited two times six into the village to kill him. To assuage his guilt, I I can't tell because the show doesn't tell us, and the show doesn't And what does it
1: mean when you invite someone into the village to kill you? Like, if you're killed in the village, do you die in real life?
2: Well, we know that that's not true, because, you know, Coma Mom eventually will die in the village, and she's fine. She is just peachy. Okay. Stakes! Stakes. Uh, six, two times six goes to kill two, but six urges him not to because it will take the thing that keeps him from owning us, our conscience. Don't make us become the thing we fear. We are one. We can defeat two.
1: Definitely good to say all this out loud.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, mm, it's it's you know, and, and uh, I. There is a residual thrill I get when six says we are one because I keep thinking there should be a number who is number one, and this is not what this show's about. But maybe that's what they're trying to go for here. Yeah. Six leaves, eleven twelve finds the key because, hey, who cares? <laughs> I threw the key away, now here's the key. He gives the pills to his coma mom. Uh, two goes back to the palais. He his goons on the shopkeeper who is accused of being the guy who impersonated two. And then I'll give the visuals. This, this looked good. 313 finds a door to Sumacore in the district. Yes. This looked cool.
1: That was cool. That looked like a Dali painting or something. Yeah, she's like, absolutely. like She's the, pounding this... on the glass doors, but the clouds are behind her. So Yes, that's a cool frame.
2: Yep. And this is happening just as New York City Michael gets to the purpose floor, sees his files, which are lots of people in the village. Then he looks out a window and sees himself, and it turns out he's in one of the glowing towers. That's what Sumacore is, gl- these glowing towers. Mm-hmm. Then his other self vanishes. End of episode. What the hell? Why? What? What was the show about? What was it trying to say? Uh, I, I, I tire. <laughs> I tire. I weary. <laughs> yeah. Big finish, checkmate. New York City. Michael is told his car is right outside. He's going to see Mr. Curtis in forty-four minutes. The woman telling him this is the woman who winked at him on the bus back in the day.
1: Right. Which I, I didn't. I didn't put that together until she winked at him again. Yeah,
2: me, me neither. Uh, there are more people arriving in the village. More village. This is something that uh, two is very excited about. Uh, six is in the clinic. This Here is an actual actual
1: slogan. We see billboards with the that billboards. say "More Village."
2: <laughs> What's that about, Chief Willoughby? Our our way of life is becoming the consciousness of the universe. I don't. I don't think you get. I don't think you get to write a line like that. I'm sorry. You just don't. You just don't get to write a line like that. I'm right. Just, and
1: then, well, then he says, it. "Well, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but only a little." Like,
2: no, you, you can't walk that back. No, you really can't walk that back. That is a big
1: motherfucker. No, we all we all heard you say it. You're on the record.
2: <sighs> Six is told to assimilate or die because now what they're threatening him with, and like, I. This ties into the, to the original series in the sense that the, each week they have a different strategy to break Six. We've kind of left that behind for much of this series, but here we get, we're we going, so now we're going to threaten him with death.
1: We leave that behind because we are expected to invest in other characters. Yeah, that's true. Six is the only person we ostensibly care about in the original series, and here we have 1112, you know, mm-hmm. we're supposed to care about him as he wakes up to what's going on and, and mm-hmm. what he is. You know, same with 313. So there is a divided focus.
2: Yep. Speaking of divided focus, 313 sees a version of herself in her mirror. 2 tells her to lock that version out of her. 1112 goes to 909's grave. Aw. <laughs> I mean, he killed him, but aw. Yeah. Uh, 6 is there. He's dying slowly. Leaves six. a
1: little pocket knife on the headstone. <laughs> just. right. Uh...
2: <laughs> He's just... <laughs> <laughs> here's a, I couldn't find the knife, so here's a, here's a cheers grater. I, here's a, like right. it's, a, it's what I used to slice Manchego.
1: Here's a, a nail clipper. Yes. Given exactly. enough time, I could have finished you off with this.
2: Uh, Six says 1112 will eventually tell him the information he needs. The taxi driver tells Six that he can introduce him to a dude who can help him. New York City Michael gets into his car. It's driven by the taxi driver. Six tries to convince 1112 to come with him to leave, but 1112 has a job to do, and he knows he can't leave because he is a creature of the village. New York City Michael comes upon coma wife in Mr. Curtis's house? building don't know um it's helen who studies the mind and wondered if we could take broken people into another level of consciousness and let them fix themselves through the power of dignitive labor civic pride and family to rekindle their lost Uh purpose all of that seems pretty sinister to me (laughs) michael works at sumacore he was finding people to help repair them helen was the first person in the village and they wanted to create a family Eleven, twelve goes into Village Helen's room.
1: Yeah, and, and this is where I, I didn't get so so somehow collating CCTV footage is showing him who suffers from mental illness and and who might be a candidate for this uh, radical subconscious therapy because you you watch them through some security cameras and you're like oh okay that person. Is broken. Okay. Yes. Never got over their childhood, whatever. We're, yeah, you know, okay. Right.
2: Yep. Right. And the sinister thing about it is that it is involuntary, right? So these people are taken into the village against their will. Yeah. Is the thing.
1: The big plot in Captain America Winter Soldier, right, is that S.H.I.E.L.D. has developed some kind of uh, artificial intelligence that can sort of predict who's going to turn out to be a terrorist or an assassin or whatever. And it's like, we will just preemptively assassinate all these people. Yes. We can precog, we can precog the system. Yes, this is this is a benign version of that. We will just pull these people out of circulation and fix them by imprisoning their minds in the village.
2: Yep. I really thought there would be a, uh, a technology offshoot of this, right? I really thought there would be some kind of like, this is a simulation kind of thing. But nope, this is just...
1: Yeah, I can't even remember the the name of the the Stephen McKnight movie. Uh, I think I reviewed for NPR. And this is a guy who has some credits on some really good. I mean, he wrote Eastern Promises. He wrote yeah. Locke. He wrote, you know, I mean, he's got legit credits. But he wrote and directed this terrible movie with Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway, I think. Serenity. called Ser- Serenid- okay. serenity okay yeah. I-, I was gonna say serendipity which is a romantic comedy <laughs> <laughs> it's not serendipity that is the big reveal As like we're all in this kid's video game at the mm-hmm. end or something and it is um it's about as rewarding as this is but it only takes 100 105 minutes to yep to get us there
2: in the village, two taunts a dying six. Then he goes home and finds Helen dead. He goes to the sex club, finds 1112, who has hanged himself, you know, p8 to the fool, because then he carries him out. Uh, 313 has a flashback. Um, I did stop taking notes at this point because I just couldn't be fucking bothered. But I think that two talks to the taxi driver about yes. child death. Right. And then she has tells a flashback to when her
1: haircut was different.
2: That's true. That's yep. true. Uh, tells him that six can make a better village, and then when the time comes, he is to say that six is the one. Um, we are—he He's called Mr. Curtis, but then it's, later on his wife calls him Curtis, so we're, we're to led to believe that it's like, you know, Curtis, Mr. Curtis. Glenn, Mr. Glenn or Mr. Chris. It's gross. Oh, um, yeah.
1: No, my friend Brian and Vanessa, they they have their kids who are, um, one is about to turn 15 and one is 12, and they call me Mr. Chris, and it's like, yeah, get used to it, man.
2: Yeah, it's gross. Um, Mr. Curtis points out to Michael that mm-hmm. all the people, the all the people, the village has fixed. There's that um, unhoused woman who took a bite of the orange. She turns out to be this kind of ponytailed, high-striving person who loves civic pride. Um, he invites Michael back to Sumacore, uh, back in the village. Michael is still dying. Three thirteen tells two uh, that she wants six to live. He says he's going to break six by appealing to his glorious golden conscience
1: two has this amazing mixed metaphor he's in love with the sound of his shining glowing conscience or yeah, it something.
2: Doesn't, it doesn't. that's not a sound man no it's not it doesn't make any sense
1: but two does say he's creating his own
2: prison the rover appears which will six choose the door that says way out which again i'm basic yeah. when i thought it I was like yay, way yay. Out.
1: It's so much more exotic and sophisticated than exit <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> or the
2: beast, the beast being Rover 6, chooses the open door, but he don't leave the village. He's still back in the village because at 1112's funeral, a now completely well 6, who is no longer suffering from the death virus or whatever it was, tells to, we don't actually see this, but he just tells to that the holes are forming everywhere and that he has to let everyone out. It's not about escape. It's about survival.
1: Yeah, there's the funeral procession for eleven twelve, and there's the shot of his coffin being drawn. I think it's being horse drawn carriage, yep. and like as soon as it passes over, and then then a hole opens up just mm-hmm. beneath where where they just traversed.
2: Yeah, uh, so a couple different things. Mr. Curtis shows Michael that Sarah uh, three thirteen is mentally broken by some childhood trauma, which parallels the fact that uh, four fifteen Lucy said, "I went blind because of some childhood trauma." Right. But it's not. That that thread is not pulled. Um, and he gets Michael to agree to help Sarah. Back in the village, two tells the villagers that they are all prisoners, but there's nothing he can do to stop the holes except breathe with him. So he's going full yoga. And he keeps hectoring about more village. He gets the taxi driver to start a chant that six is the one. We want six. But the only way to stop the holes, apparently, is uh, with a dreamer. So 313 agrees to take the coma mom pills she will take over the dreaming of the village from coma mom uh to then blows himself up real good in the village outside the village he's perfectly Hardy, <laughs> but then there's a coffin of oranges and then helen is fine now uh mr curtis he is blows fine himself now. up
1: with a with a grenade in his mouth
2: yeah he does it with a grenade in his mouth
1: that's an image that we've been teased with periodically mm-hmm. throughout
2: mr Curtis and Helen dance together back at Sumacore. Michael sits down on the big boss chair. Back in the village, Six and Coma 313 now, sit in the desert, she is catatonic. He is figuring out ways to make a better village.
1: And needle drop note, um, on the third episode, we heard Heroes and Villains, a classic Beach Boys track. And now at the finale, they are trolling us a little bit by using uh, even more familiar, classic Beach Boys track from Pet Sounds. I know there's an answer.
0: There are people here, good people. Whatever they've lost. Hmm. Funny, isn't it? Took me all this time to see how beautiful it is. Hmm. What if? Oh. It has to be possible to do this the right way. Yeah. Make a good village. I think I could do it. I think we have to try. Whatever the cost. Hmm.
2: That last image was kind of cool because they both looked good. They both were dressed well, um, and they seemed like they were resolved. And I kind of like the, the futility of the ending. It is a play on the futility of the ending of the original series. Yeah. It's probably yeah. my favorite thing about the episode. But, um, man, this, it, it doesn't know what it wants to say. Therefore, it doesn't know what it is.
1: I'm just thinking the the mechanics of having a a dreamer to keep the shared subconscious that all these... these, Like, do we know where their bodies are when they're in the village? Are we shown that? Are they...
2: I don't think so. No.
1: No. Okay. So they're not in, you know, matrix pods or or just to sleep in their beds or... Or we don't know. If we're going to give it kind of a literal explanation for what this place is and who made it, then I guess I would... I would want that. I mean, it is a little a little Sandman, right? In the way that mm-hmm. was that that first issue of Sandman, right? Where as long as uh, Morpheus is imprisoned, people have the sleeping sickness, and yep. you know, then then he gets out, and they and they wake up. They're all they're all better. So the idea of the absence of a dreamer creating physical instability in in this world is is kind of a similar thing. Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, we're told that all of humanity has access to the village, has access to A frames and. 1930s buses and this very specific vibe. But then we're also told that maybe he's going to recreate it and do something else. And maybe what he's going to recreate is an Italianette village on the coast of Wales. Maybe maybe that's a thing he's going
1: to do. Yeah. Now we're talking about the Matrix, right? And we are talking about uh, the, this version of the prisoner was almost a decade after the Matrix. But this idea of a, a shared simulation where people can interact with one another. they They occupy the same space, whether it's a a dream space or a digital space or or whatever. It isn't purely subjective.
2: But the idea of it as therapy, as like everybody who goes to the village has some trauma, has some issue that they need to deal with, and the way they deal with it is by living these kind of very prescriptive hidebound lives where they have to respect authority and just, you know, get matched by the Love Bureau and have kids and just you know, and make sure your kids don't fly into a hole. Uh, that seems like, I, d- I, can't, I can't connect the dots there.
1: Is the, the theory that you live the entirety of your life within the village and die of old age and then you wake up in the real world and now you're cured? Because it's dream space. I mean, it, may be, yeah. it might not be 70 years that have passed in the real world. It might just be one night. The spirits might have all done it in one night, Glenn. Yes,
2: exactly, but th- that that is unclear. And, you know, when you think of it, that Michael slash six is not in a pod he is living his life in the real world he is just you know splitting his consciousness between the real world and the village then maybe all these other people are living their own lives splitting their consciousness and then somehow they get fixed yeah it's just i don't think there's enough i don't think there's enough there there for this to Fruit.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm I'm citing all the examples of properties that explore these ideas more fruitfully. You know, we mentioned Severance on, mm-hmm. on our, our prior episode, the Apple series from earlier this year that we both liked very much, um, mm-hmm. where people are having these these divided lives, but they're, there's no awareness of the other on the mm-hmm. like each each part of their their severed consciousness and i guess that i mean that's that's what makes six dysfunctional in this village right is that he keeps flashing back between his his two realities right and um
2: he is taking the logic of it that if there are more people in the village that must mean there must there are there is some other place that they're coming from but the uh drugs of the village or the or the altered consciousness or the dream logic of the village is keeping other people from making that connection i do think it makes sense that uh, when we saw the bus of people going past the clinic they looked scared out of their minds maybe that's a thing that is planted here and maybe that is a the way that their treatment their their real understanding that they're being in the village because they need to kind of deal with their trauma is mm-hmm. kind of manifesting in their alternate lives. Sure. That's a, that's a thing. That's an interesting idea. It is not supported. It, it is not mm-hmm. explored. It is not unpacked. It is just there if you happen to catch it as it speeds by. It, yeah. Um,
1: they feel about psychiatry the way Scientologists feel about psychiatry. Absolutely.
2: Right? Yes. Yeah. And It's uh, I, I certainly two feels about psychology.
1: <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard did. You had sex with your mother?
2: Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, let's rate this. Puppy.
1: Uh, you go first, ooh, my friend. Oh, I got. Because we're,
2: we're gonna. I think we rated like the first three. Let's rate the last three, and then let's. Yes, do... Yes, I know. Really, no really should
1: have should have graded the first three incomplete, obviously. But I guess my my I, I'm gonna go 2.5 for the latter tranche of episodes. But that average is out to a 2.25 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. overall. A 2.25 out of six, which I think is generous. Glenn. Yeah, I think it's and, two. Um, uh, know, I'm gonna do the fact that we, like In fact, we, we get no Haley Atwell for these these final, final Yeah, I mean, third. she's
2: there, the, and she's stumbling through the mountains <laughs> in, her, in her bridal dress. I mean, that's cool. Uh, uh, yeah. 1.5 for the last three, because I hated Schizoid Man so much, because it just, it just annoyed me. Because it is it does feel like Bargain Basement Fight Club. And then two for um, the series as a whole, I just didn't, uh, as much as I love the trappings and the echoes, I just don't feel that even the Ian McKellen of it all doesn't salvage it. He should at least be a fun, intriguing villain, but again, his motivation scene to scene, episode to episode is just not made clear.
1: He is just playing scales here. Like yeah. I I mean there's there's a floor on how bad he can be. And this is pretty much it. I mean he he can't give a, a he sells these like these incredibly dumb and vague things that he he's given to say. He he sells it, but but that's all. That's just technique. You know, this is just just a guy who has trained and trained and trained and um, we're getting him at minimum power.
2: Be minimum strength.
1: Minimum strength, sir. Fire.
2: <laughs> And it just makes you, even if you, well, if you never saw the original Prisoner, you, this would never occur to you. But if you have those scenes between McGowan and McKellen, like even though McKellen was getting his lines like 15 minutes before he went on in front of the camera, and even though he had no idea what the fuck was going on.
1: Even though he actually suffered a breakdown. <laughs> during even though he like, had, had to leave breakdown. the set for a week. And uh, even though McGowan actually drove him to uh, experience uh, apparently quite genuine psychological trauma. Chris, drama.
2: there is a fire. There is an electricity between yeah. these two yeah. actors that is legit and real. And you feel like something is happening because so much is, uh, so much is stripped away. And it doesn't matter what their particular situation is. You just want to watch these two actors act with each other. In Congress with each other, as it were, so to speak, and and here, like these two actors, McKellen and Caviezel, are just in two separate universes. They're, they they don't even connect.
1: I can't imagine why you would choose Caviezel for this. Yeah, I, I mean, M- McKellen is is kind of an obvious, uninspired choice, but you know, you know, perfectly. He's he's competent. The guy cannot not be competent. And mm-hmm. and you know, we agree. Like, had it had it been Patty McGee as, as two here, like, what a Cool novelty that uh, might have been, and maybe it wouldn't have paid off. But I, I can't conceive of, uh, of just just putting Cavizel in this. His Magneto
2: is so, um, he he has arrived. He has a point of view. He 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 arrives on screen, and he is consistent, but he still has an arc. Um, and there's no arc here. There's nothing. It's just individual Speaking scenes of, being thrown at you.
1: Just just imagine. Imagine 2008, instead of Caviezel, we cast Michael Fassbender. Yeah, I was about to say six. that, actually.
2: Uh, I don't know. The part is really underwritten. I don't think, I, I think, I mean, as, as stiff as Caviezel can be, there isn't enough connective tissue there to make a character out of. It's um, Which you could totally say for The Prisoner, for the original, for the original series, because all he has is a pose all he has is a de- decision to rebel but McGowan inhabits the role so much that attitude becomes character his resistance becomes enough to kind of get your teeth into yeah and Caviezel just isn't at any given moment he, he he's right. going to have a he's going to have a reaction to stimulus that you can't predict and that's not that's not how you create it. so
1: who's wild enough an actor to compensate for the absence on the page there. While you're thinking about this, I'll point out that we we are going to welcome Keith Phipps on a, an upcoming episode. The the author of Age of Cage, a yep. extended work of criticism examining the the career of of Nicholas Cage. Um, the commonality being that we are a podcast devoted to the the career of a weird actor, yep. and uh, Keith has made a a study of the forty or so year career of a weird actor. Um, so why don't we why don't we start there? Can you imagine? Nicolas Cage is number six.
2: I can imagine Nicolas Cage is a number six, not necessarily my number six. He's going to be a little too big. Um, and what you need is a kind of trapped animal kind of vibe. You need you need like somebody who is prowling his cage, looking for release. And and I think Nicolas Cage goes big. Um, but again, I was going to say Jack Black. So what the hell do I know? Oh boy. <laughs>
1: Do you want to tell your your Jack Black story here, Glenn? It, no, it's from 2009.
2: Can't remember it. I can't remember. It's too long. You you can. I can't remember it. But uh, yeah, and also I'm just I've just been told that my uh, my laptop is about to die, so I need to either
1: get a likely story, either
2: get uh, uh, extension cord, or we could wrap up. Why don't we do that? Let's do that.
1: Okay. What's next? Was, uh, was Rutger Hauer still alive in 2009? Yeah, he was. I think he was. He was in Batman Begins right i yep. guess he'd be too old to be number 6 although really why does number 6 have to be any particular age it doesn't have well, to be certainly true right? uh,
2: in fact he should be close to retirement age
1: right 39 is probably a little young for now well then again i mean you, you it would make sense if his retirement was seen as as premature right you're in the yep. prime of your career why why retire now so what is next chris and next we are going to uh look at brass target from oh, 1978 sure. okay. A, uh, a film I have not yet seen, but uh, that right. cast, Sophia Loren, John Cassavetes, George S. Kennedy as George S. Patton, <laughs> <laughs> and Robert Vaughn and, and Patty McGee. who, uh, to, to answer the question you asked me uh, last episode that I was not prepared to answer at that time, Glenn, he is doing American, Okay, uh, so far as I can tell from, from the trailer.
0: An armed train carrying 250 million dollars in gold. A temptation too great to resist. Only one man and one woman stand in the way of the men who want it. He'll come for you next. I've had too much taken away from me. He's not going to take you. An incredible conspiracy is about to begin. In December 1945. America's most controversial general, George S. Patton, was killed in an automobile accident in Germany. Two hundred and fifty million dollars in gold, says it was no accident. Brass target. A train that will never reach its destination. Eight lives that will never be the same. Sophia Loren. You said all that counted was to survive john cassavetes to me everything's a conspiracy george kennedy you'll get your gold i personally will go out and find it robert vaughn if we hang you hang patrick McGowan. it must look like an accident bruce davison this was an inside operation edward herman there's a quarter of a billion dollars in gold on that train and max von sido you wish a man killed i didn't ask you why A train that will never reach its destination. A baffling mystery that may never be solved. The war is over. Is it? McCauley, Stewart. Rogers. Gilchrist. They're all dead.
1: Joyce come here for you, hasn't he?
0: It's not me, he wants. We're gonna have to put him out of business. You're out of your mind if you think I'm gonna kill General Patrick. Kill the brass. And you get the gold. Brass Target.
2: Brass Target. It's going to be nasal. It's going to be great. Yes. I
1: think it's going to be, he's going to be making a big swing. With Age of Cage author Keith Phipps. We're
2: back at Patty McGee. It feels weird on the show to talk about The Prisoner and not talk about Patty McGee. It feels like, you know...
1: No, I don't like it.
2: I don't like it. I don't like it. And I didn't like this. Um, <laughs> but we're going to be back... Pick it apart a very idiosyncratic actor being idiosyncratic that feels like we're coming home coming weird home. though because i figured like oh we get to talk about the prisoner again nope nope didn't feel like the prisoner didn't feel like with G. no felt like we were at
1: sea we still have to get to the simpsons episode which does feature of course Bad we AD
2: do MG. of course we do i can't wait to do that that'll be fun
1: all right well stand by for that one true believers face front next uh next brass target which i'm i got it on on old-timey dvd oh, no. uh, it is it hard to may get? be streamable where,
2: where can people find it we'll fight we'll figure it out and we'll tell you mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> somehow
1: <laughs> yes well till then be seeing you be seeing you absolute was conceived by glenn weldon and is produced by me chris klemik i wrote our silly little theme song which was then arranged and beautifully performed by my dear friend casey aaron clark on vocals and keyboards and her brother jonathan clark on guitar and percussion with marcus newstead on bass check out casey at casey and or vitalvoicetraining.com write the citizens advice bureau at a degree at gmail.com follow us on twitter at not and number pod follow us on instagram at a degree absolute and of course as always as promised if you leave us a five-star review on apple stitcher google whatever podcatcher you use along with your wildest prisoner take we will we promise feature that take on a future episode and now listeners glenn has something he'd like to say to you
2: oofta i'm sorry that was low energy but i really hate
1: no, those. both of us both of us <laughs> no 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 i i, I cannot throw stones glenn
2: oh man it was so long (laughs) it just kept going and going and it didn't seem to have a point it didn't seem to understand
0: The Green Absolute